This episode is brought to you by Splash Refresher. I believe in the three beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash, they spice it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. My flavor that I've been enjoying the most lately is the wild berry. Keep one on your desk. You'll be hydrated in no time. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Betches Media presents Ha ha, laugh, funny Mention it all, a Bravo by Betches podcast We don't say that, but now we said it With me, Dylan Hafer Hold on, check me, boo Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mention It All podcast. I am Dylan Hafer, and today we are talking about Jersey, and there's no one else that I would rather uh, have a chaotic backyard shore brunch with than Jordana Abraham. Hey, Jordana. Hey, Dylan. So happy to be back. Before we get into Jersey, I just wanted to know, because I've been having thoughts about how, am I the only one who thinks Summer House is very bad, or is that you're like in the Bravo world on all things Bravo, I'm just a few select shows, but... I've been watching Summer House and I'm like, I'm so bored. The thing, Jordana, is you're absolutely not the only person who okay. thinks that. I I have not watched this week's episode yet. And that actually says a lot because, you know, obviously I'm I'm talking about posting about thinking about these shows all the time. So if I if I start to slip into that, like, oh, I'll I'll, I'll catch up before next week kind of rhythm. It's like it's not the vital viewing that maybe it has been right? in the past. It was said to be sort of almost like the new Vanderpump. I think it it felt for a while like it was taking those ratings or those viewers and and becoming a better show. And then now Vanderpump made the comeback of the century and I'm just way less interested in Summer House. I think the the format of Summer House and the sort of central conceit of it that it's these people sharing a house going out to the Hamptons every week to party question mark. I think <laughs> It really the cast is sort of pushing up against the the what you know it's starting to strain credulity a little bit that it's like okay Kyle and Amanda are married Kyle's in his forties Carl is sober and sometimes so is Lindsay and they're seemingly very happy and getting engaged and you know Paige is dating this guy who lives in Charleston and is spending half her time there and also is like seems a little too bougie to actually be like sharing a bedroom in this house and I think with With Vanderpump, what we've seen the last few seasons is that when they tried to kind of freshen up the show and bring in new blood and kind of keep it like young and hot, it actually backfired. Mm -hmm. And so Vanderpump now is sort of leaning back into like it's this one group of friends that you kind of can't look away from. Whereas Summer House, I don't think that group is actually staying, you know, vital the the way that the Vanderpump crew is. Totally agree. I think Vanderpump, like the magic of Vanderpump is that the drama does seem very real because they were all, Mm -hmm. those people were friends for many years before this show and sort of most of them have been there the whole time and they are kind of, they truly are as crazy as they (laughs) are, are seen to be and it doesn't seem like it's just for TV. It really seems like that's who those people are. Yeah, I totally agree. I think with Summer House, obviously this season is what it is. Lindsay and Carl are now engaged. I think they're planning to get married this fall. You know, Kyle and Amanda are having baby conversations. It does seem like either next season or maybe like one one more season after that, 
you're going to get to a point where it's like this cast simply doesn't make sense in this setting. Whether you want to spin off into a different show where they're more just kind of living life in the city, that could have potential. Uh, Everybody always talks about, you know, one or more of them maybe making the jump to Housewives of New York. I don't I don't know if that would work. But yeah, Summer House to me kind of has an expiration date, at least with this group. Agree. It's almost like I agree. The premise is also doesn't make sense. It would be as if everyone on Vanderpump Rules were still working at Sir. Yeah. Like no one is working at Sir because realistically they don't need to work at Sir. Exactly. Um I think also what might feel like it has an expiration date on it as of recently is how long Teresa and Melissa can continue to coexist on this show. I, I this episode to me really did feel like sort of maybe a sea change moment as we see in the mid-season trailer this week where we're really approaching the point of no return. Maybe we're already there, but we're certainly, you know, on that train track over the cliff. And I mean, it's starting to feel like this might be the last few episodes that we ever get of this version of Jersey. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe that this, this past feud or this beef that they had with each other wasn't discussed until this episode. Now everything in the past makes so much more sense. This whole season to me makes so much more sense knowing that there was this business feud, which would divide anyone, Mm. let alone people who already don't really like each other. I'm like, oh, of course, now this all makes sense. Because some some seasons they're sort of able to like make it work and like downplay the thing. Now I'm kind of like, oh, there's money involved on top of people who are already in a very contentious relationship anyway. Of course, this is going to be like the, the 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 final straw. Right. This cracking open this nut of whatever happened with the pizza oven really, <laughs> which we, we can't go back to these. <laughs> I still don't really understand what happened, but. <laughs> right. But but cracking this open and sort of starting to dig around for the different versions of this story really feels like it sort of illuminates so many things that have happened in the last two seasons. And now I I want to go back and be able to have like a timeline superimposed on the show where it's like, okay, so, you know, last season when, you know, when they're having, when Teresa and Louie are having their hot mic moment where she's like, you didn't sign up for this. Was the pizza oven already happening then? Like were, was there money issues at that point when they had their big blow up fight at the shore? Like there are, once you have the kind of context that's been bubbling under the surface, all of a sudden you're like, wait, was every fight for the last, you know, 20 episodes of this show actually about the pizza oven? (laughs) To me, like, of course. Um, I just, it's funny to me that, that these two, I get like, the the pizza oven thing almost signifies the entire Melissa, Teresa relationship. It's like, they want so bad to be this close family that Mm -hmm. is close and, you know, goes into business together and works together and is so intertwined and on, on this show together. But, they are not people who should go into business together. It's baffling. <laughs> it really is. When Joe is saying in the confessional, he's like, yeah, you know, everybody says don't go into business with your family. And he and you can do business with anyone if you're not looking to cheat somebody. And it's like, 
okay, sh- sure. Y- yes, that is true. You shouldn't be wanting to cheat the person you're going into business with. But there's a reason that the whole doing business with your family thing is a thing. And in this family specifically, you two have never had a sustained period of being good with each other. And so it's it's sort of baffling to think that in 2021 or 2022, whenever this was happening, that these people really thought that this was something worth putting money and time and yeah. resources into. And neither one of them was like, wait, let me think for a second. Is this a smart decision? Do we want to go here? Because it's not like they haven't had issues before. Again, they had some other pizza, pasta thing. They had before. a restaurant and yeah, it went horribly. It, yeah. it did. It, it barely lasted any time at all. There were They were contentious between the two families while it was open. I think there was some, some going back and forth and arguing after it closed about kind of who was at fault for that. That did not go well. And then to do this, I I do want to go into like what kind of the two different stories we're getting are because right. what doesn't seem to be up for debate is that Louis put in this money, this 250k, she says, mm-hmm. and seemingly Joe Gorga did not put in any money, money, as much money. Definitely it doesn't seem like anyone is arguing with the fact that Louis fronted more of the money. Um so Joe Joe thought they were going to get 50-50. Uh, Louis talked to his attorney and decided that Joe would get 5%, which <laughs> so there's a lot of uh there's a lot of middle ground between 50 and 5. So I I think that would be interesting to explore a little bit more. Um but then basically Teresa says she flipped out on Joe and said that he if he wants half, he has to put up half and Louis basically uh just took the loss. Like all of this money that he had I guess put into this pizza oven was just gone because they decided not to do it. Right. And then on Joe's side, I guess he had that issue where he was he thought it would be 50-50 and also the the issue that Teresa was seemed like she was sort of taking what was he's saying his idea to make this pizza oven and then co-opting it, taking um more than 50% and then trying to change the name to like skinny pizza. Yes. So so according to Joe, this was supposed to be a lovely tribute to their father in the form of a, I'm assuming, uh, pretty shittily made pizza oven. <laughs> <laughs> like something that you could get from QVC. And it was going to be called like no-no pizza or, you know, whatever. And that his nephew got him involved in it. I don't, the nephew thing seems superfluous. Which nephew? I from don't, his other side? Like I don't from, know. I was very confused. I don't know. Um, but then, so they thought it was going to be no, no pizza. Things were in the works, whatever. And then Teresa had a photo shoot without telling him and the packaging was all done. And it was like, I'm assuming Teresa's face on the box and with skinny pizza, which first of all, I love, you know, entrepreneurial spirit of Teresa trying to relaunch her skinny Italian brand from days gone by that in and of itself would be like a sort of perfect housewife storyline, but the fact that it it has to be wrapped up in this massive web of Gorga family nonsense, it's like we can't just enjoy the silliness of skinny pizza. Yeah. I mean, it to me it was just like such a bad idea on all fronts. Even if the name Skinny Pizza in 2023 also, <laughs> I feel like not really a with the times branding move. 
<laughs> also, my mind. what's the what does the oven have to do with the pizza being skinny? Like if it was good point, <laughs> you could do a skinny pizza cookbook, perhaps still, still the name is a little bit of a red flag, but at least I would understand. It's like, okay, you're doing the low carb crust, the sure. low fat cheese, whatever. But like, it's just an oven. Right. The oven itself doesn't discriminate between, um, healthier pizzas or not, I would assume. I'm just picturing like Sonia's toaster oven with Teresa's face oh slapped on the side. That was one of the best moments in Housewives history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no more no more oven business ventures for these women. It's just, it's never going to happen. Yeah, I don't know if I want an oven made from a, a housewife. I don't know if that's like, hmm, yeah. should I get the Sub-Zero or uh, the Sonia Morgan brand? I think in terms of kitchen and like cookware, I would be much more likely to buy like a cute housewives like set of dishes or like a pan or a utensil or something than like an appliance. Like yeah. I don't think I'm not buying the like Shannon Bedore branded like fish grill. I don't know. Like right. I'm I don't know. It's just... You want something more fun, like more like a little bit kitschier. Right. Like a and little, also like yeah. a, a lower price point. Like I'm yeah. If I'm in the if I'm in the market for like to spend a few hundred dollars on a kitchen appliance, I'm not gonna go the like, okay, what did the housewife slap her name on? I'm gonna go to like right. consumer exactly. reports and buy the best one. Right. Like I don't need like the uh the Luann like Sam's instead of Samsung. Luann TV. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't trust it. Oh my god, the Luann smart TV and she's just like narrating all the channels. Oh god. <laughs> Welcome to Roku City. I feel like we've all had that moment where you're at somebody's wedding and you're looking around, the food, the venue, the music, the overall vibe, and you're making like that mental checklist of if I were planning a wedding right now, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. What would I want to copy from this? What would I want to change? What would I want to tweak? Well, I've been a part of my fair share of weddings over the years, and I know just how stressful the process can be. You go from that newly engaged bliss to overwhelmed by invitation paper and flower colors in the blink of an eye. But using Zola helps with wedding planning from start to finish and makes every decision easier so you can stay in your bliss. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake, Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and even maybe enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or on your couch. Zola helps couples plan the wedding they really want with tons of unique features and personalized recommendations based on a couple's preferences Every Zola wedding is as unique as the couple planning it. They've thought of everything you'll need and have built every tool to get you to I do, including customized checklists to get you moving, keep you on track, and prepare you for what's next. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A dot com. Summer is fast approaching, which means more social events, more weddings to attend, more nights on the town, and hopefully more vacations. That's why I'm so thankful for today's sponsor, Honey Love, for covering us with the best shapewear. With Honey Love, you can feel your best even when you're wearing less. They've revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. Plus, they're the only shapewear that won't ever roll down no matter how much you groove on the dance floor. For a limited time only, you can get Honeylove on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com MIA. 
When talking about shapewear, Honeylove's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. The superpower short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering just the perfect amount of compression. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back of the thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at Honey honeylove.com slash MIA. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started, honeys. Shape your life with Honeylove. Okay, backing up a little bit to the beginning of this episode, we're at our three respective shore houses in the morning. And I do love the coordination of all three houses conveniently talking about the exact same storyline beats at the exact same time. Like I'm picturing that there's like a producer meeting really early that morning and they have like the clipboards and they're like, okay, you go to this house, you go to this house, you go to this house and we're delivering the talking points on like a note card. And it's like, okay, what did you think about Danielle and her brother? That situation seems weird, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's a very, uh, calculated, I think, uh, stream of conversations for sure. And everyone, everyone's pretty much contributing. So. Right. Like we're, uh, you know, every house talks about the situation with Danielle and her brother. And of course the two houses that Danielle is not at are both agree that there must be more to the situation. That seems to be a common consensus. And then, you know, they're all talking about Melissa's mom not being invited to the wedding, which again is going to come back later at Rachel Fudo's brunch. But yeah, it's it's kind of fun that they're split up in three different houses because you do get the like the slightly different angles on the exact same conversations. Yeah, it's like Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> all the different house uh, uh, POVs. The Teresa and Melissa of it all actually did make me think a little bit of this final season of Succession. That it's like we're we're barreling toward a conclusion, and like I don't know if anybody's going to win, but somebody's definitely going to lose. <laughs> yes, it, it does. The stakes are almost as high. <laughs> almost as high. a billion dollar media empire, um, a housewife slot for next season. It's big. It's about even. Um, So Rachel Fuda is hosting her brunch. And I got to say, I don't know what Rachel Fuda was expecting, but I was certainly not expecting that this would be like the vast majority of the episode and so much drama would go down in this poor woman's backyard. It was a lot. Yeah. It's her first hosting event, right? Yeah. (laughs) She she brought out the mermaid. Um, She really pulled out all the steps. My feeling about this, um, this brunch was like, I felt like it it became so dramatic because everyone was a little hungover and already kind of in a mood mm. from the night before. Because you saw, I mean, last episode, we discussed how much they were drinking. They were taking shot after shot after shot. And unless they are like superhuman or getting IV drips at their age, I would imagine they'd be quite hungover the next day. So I feel like the combination of like, it's sort of this gloomy day. Yeah. They're all kind of like irritable and hungover sort of the perfect storm to create this huge dramatic thing. It's probably like 80 degrees and like 90% humidity. (laughs) You you can just like, the air feels thick. Uh, Some things are coming. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of housewives trips is that if this was at home and they, and somebody else had had, 
you know, a party. And then maybe three days later, they're meeting up for brunch and everybody's just, you know, a 20 minute drive from home. It would not have the same kind of heightened stakes, I don't think. But because they're at the shore, it's like everybody is kind of stuck there. You know, they're coming in their groups of three. The husbands are there too. It, they've seen each other the night before. Like you said, they're probably hung over. It, it does feel like everybody comes into this brunch sort of with a cross to bear and we, we reap the rewards of yes. it. Yes. This is like their chance <clears throat> to like get theirs from the night before. Totally. We get another bizarre Instagram video from Louie <laughs> that he made the night before with Nate and Bill. I just, I can't, I can't with Louie's social media content. It's never going to be good. I mean, I think it kind of illustrates a little bit about who he is and sort of what Melissa was trying to articulate uh -huh. in that like, it sort of appears to be like a nice thing to do and like a he's not saying anything he's not like talking shit on the thing but it's like a little patronizing or a little like i i know the way of yeah. the world um and again his way of the world isn't like super negative but it it does seem a little bit like i've got it figured out you guys are all a mess let me like impart my wisdom to you it's very like some guy that looks professional, but like a little bit off maybe is doing like a business seminar in like a hotel ballroom and yeah. you have to like call and reserve your spot. And he's like, I have, I have the one secret that's going to bring you success and everything in your life. And you're like, uh, okay, I don't know if this is going to happen at like a, you know, Marriott on a Tuesday afternoon, but I guess I'll go. Cause I'm, cause I, you know, I'm a little bit down in the dumps. He has that sort of like car salesman type of energy that yeah. some of the things he's saying, I think are spot on, but the delivery just feels a little bit like yikes. Yeah. He's a little bit of like a poor man's Tony Robbins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's like trying to be. I think he's trying to be this like inspirational guy, but it's some something. I don't know if you could be that guy and, and also choose to marry Teresa. He's like a juice head Dr. Phil. Yes. <laughs> Drew said that should be the episode title. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we will we'll get more to Louis. But first, I want to talk about the um, the conversation between Danielle and Margaret because um, they have their little talk. Danielle is upset at the way that Rachel has portrayed the conversation that they had and says that when she made the comment about Margaret having the arsenal, that she didn't mean it like that. That she just, you know, she just said it. So she brings Rachel over. And basically, these women are having a conversation about semantics and, like, the maybe underlying intentions behind what they said. Because I think it's important to note, Danielle really is never denying that she said the things she said about Margaret. But she feels like she was thrown under the bus by Rachel by sort of carrying the bone back to Margaret's side, which I would argue Danielle already sort of did on Teresa and Jennifer's behalf. And also that's just how housewives works. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, no, it's kind of, I don't even, Rachel isn't even really denying saying that mm -hmm. she's kind of like, I did say that I'll own that. I didn't think it was a big deal. Kind of, she says. And then like, now they kind of, I think there's like this under, they do address it head on, but I do think now there's going to be this rest of the season. I mean, you sort of see that in what's coming up, underlying tension. 
Yeah, I I like that the two new women are sort of getting into it a little bit because obviously, you know, Danielle has her issue with Margaret. We see Rachel kind of getting into it a little bit with Teresa and Jennifer. But I think there are some times where like the two of them just don't quite have the, you know, their finger in the pot of like the broader group. So it's nice that they can kind of play with each other a little bit. Agreed. Um, But yeah, I mean, we'll see where that lands. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I am so happy that warmer weather is finally back and we can get back to enjoying some time in the sun. But the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring May flowers and also sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I have had seasonal allergies for pretty much my entire life. Unfortunately, there are definitely those days where I have canceled my plans because I simply just don't want to be out in the world because of my allergies. But luckily, Claritin is the perfect thing that you can just take at the beginning of the day. And it really helps with all of those symptoms, clearing up your eyes, clearing up your sinuses, clearing up your congestion. It's the easiest way to just get those allergies under control, whether it's in the spring, any other time of year. And it's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin-D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin-D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Jen Fessler. I like that Jen Fessler sort of feels like an outside observer in a, in a way because she's talking to Teresa and this conversation about Melissa's mom is coming back up again. And Jen Fessler is like, I just want to get to the bottom of this. And Teresa is now adamant. This feels like a new uh, a new story to me that she is saying that if Joe, when the wedding invitations had gone out, if Joe had just called her and asked nicely for her to invite Donna Marco to the wedding, she would have done it and it wouldn't have been an issue. And that it was not meant as a slight to not invite her. He just should have called her. And I don't, I don't think this is what Teresa's initial reaction was a few episodes ago. Yeah. She's kind of changing her tune. And I also think that Joe had a good response to that where he was saying, when I brought up things in the past to you, like it hasn't gone well. So I Mm. didn't do that, which is true. Right. I To me, it's like maybe Teresa, I mean, obviously she made the decision not to invite her in the first place and maybe didn't think that much about it. She was just like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really care. I don't want them there, whatever. And then now that it is clear that like everybody else in the group, aside from maybe Jennifer and Danielle, 
are like everybody thinks this is weird and kind of shitty. And so now Teresa maybe feels like she kind of has to do a little revisionist history and be like, no, 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 no. I didn't do it like as like a, you know, as like an FU. It just she just wasn't on the list. And then he didn't ask me to put her on the list. I just found out like, you know, yesterday that apparently it's a big issue. But now now we're not really on good terms. So now I'm not going to invite her. And it's like, if you don't want her there, just just say that. Right. It's all very convenient. And she did just say that to like the producers. She didn't really say that. She said that in the confessional. She didn't say that to them. Right. Um, and, you know, just uh, as a cherry on top, we get another mangling of uh, making a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, Teresa <laughs> says that Joe is making a mountain into a molehill. <laughs> No housewife yes. has ever has ever properly used that phrase. Especially Teresa, who I would not I wouldn't if I had, if I were a betting woman, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on her being the first one. Yeah. Yeah, she probably should have left that one alone, but <laughs> she tries. She tries, yeah. Until she freaks out at um Jackie. Then it was oh like, oh, God. here when she was starting to yell at Jackie, I was like, okay, the therapy this is not uh, – I, I think she's distanced herself from her therapy mode. Right well, now. she's distanced herself from maybe the the actual intent of the therapy, but she is very quick to drop the therapy card and say, basically, look at me holding this drink and not throwing it in your face. See that? That's therapy. And I'm like, I, is it? I, I guess. I think therapy is not is not telling someone to just shut the fuck up repeatedly. Um, and continuously and screaming at them. I have to say the the explosion at Jackie actually did surprise me because it felt like like Jackie has not really been a central figure in this conflict this season so far, and she and Teresa have not really had any direct issue with each other this season that I recall, and so when they're standing in a circle and you know Melissa's over there talking with Louie and and Joe. And Teresa is just like, well, you know, Melissa has daddy issues. All Jackie said basically was like, well, that's not nice. And you would have thought that Teresa like, you know, you would have thought that Jackie like came for her entire life. And Teresa is like so mad at her for sticking up for Melissa, even just one little bit. Yeah, this looked like it was was on par with like when Jackie said the Gia comment. Right. It was just as intense of a reaction. The whole daddy issues thing is so (laughs) – it's such a like an odd thing to be arguing about because obviously Teresa, when she's saying it, is not meaning it as like a nice thing to say about Melissa. But then when she gets called out after flipping out of Jackie, she immediately kind of tries to reset and says, well – my daughters have daddy issues because, you know, because of all the stuff that Joe has done to them. And Jen Aiden is like, yeah, it's not an insult to say that somebody has daddy issues, which that to me is a little bit like, okay, you're, well, you, yeah. you're, uh, <laughs> there's a lot going on in your household that might, you know, whatever. <laughs> she also didn't just say she has daddy issues. She said she has daddy issues, which is why she keeps my brother on such a tight leash and won't let him leave the house because her dad was cheating on her mom. It was like, a lot of like airing of laundry that is not hers to air that seemed a little bit of a below the belt comment and also just like not true. Like it doesn't really seem like Melissa is so 
controlling of Joe. If anything, it kind of seems like the opposite. Or in the previous seasons, it kind of seemed like Joe is more controlling of Melissa. Yeah. And she, I mean, she brings up Melissa's dad dying when she was in high school. It's like, wait, wait, this is not, this is right. not where, over the pizza oven, really? <laughs> As Jackie says, not nice. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't argue with Jackie there. I mean, however you feel about Teresa and Melissa, I do feel like the daddy issues thing is a little bit below the belt. Agreed. But, you know, Louis, Louis really feels like he is going to be the, the soldier of peace at this brunch. And he's, you know, he's going to achieve peace by any means necessary. So he's having his little conversation with Melissa and he's, you know, apologizing again and being like, I would love to have your mother at my wedding. And it, this is uncomfortable. And then Teresa comes over and Louis is upset with Teresa for interrupting this moment that he's having with Melissa. And <laughs> I'm like, Louis, what are you talking about? And then he's like yelling at her. It was, I don't know. The whole thing was kind of a mess. I mean, I feel like it's it's always interesting to see Louis try to like put Teresa in her place. Yeah. Because he's the only one that can do so without getting screamed at. Right. He's, I mean, Teresa comes back over after he makes the, I wear your father's pajamas at night comment. <laughs> Teresa comes back over and Louis's like, don't you two dare fight. Don't you dare fight talk talk nice to each other and it's like it is it's sort of bizarre to see the way that Teresa kind of has no reaction to any of the stuff that he's saying to her but like we just talked about Jackie you know pipes up like for one second to say hey that's not nice and is almost getting a drink thrown in her face you know saved only by the fact that Teresa's therapy is clearly working um and it's like it is it's a little unsettling, actually, I think, to see the way that Louis, the way that Louis speaks to Teresa and the fact that Teresa has no kind of pushback on it that we ever see. Yeah, it's just so interesting because it's literally the only person on the show that she does not get, that she allows to speak to her like that. Mm -hmm. No one else on the show is allowed to speak to her like that. Yeah, I mean, I... I think the thing with Louie is that it's like, a, I do hope they're happy. Like, I hope that she, he and Teresa are like having a great time together. And I think that he has definitely brought good things into her life after she's been through so much. But like some of these moments, it's just like, I don't, I don't love that. Yeah. I don't love that he wears her, fa her father's pajamas. <laughs> I think that's very weird. <laughs> yeah. I guess she tried to clarify and say that there were like, new pajamas that he had like bought but never worn but i don't i don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know about that um but then so we were talking about how it all seems to go back to this pizza oven but then does it because we are suddenly back to the exact same argument that we had all of last year which is teresa uh saying that she was not defended enough when it came to the stuff with margaret and then Joe and Melissa bring up how at the reunion, uh, Teresa agreed with Jennifer's assessment that Joe was a bitch. And I mean, similar to the fact that last week we were getting flashbacks to the christening in season three. It's like we never we never really have moved forward at all, have we? It's like we've had moments where we're not talking about the things that have happened, mm -hmm. but it just seems like we're it's more and more clear every episode that it's like these people are never actually moving right. forward. It just seems like it's a deep-seated 
distaste for her sister-in-law. She really just, she never, she doesn't like Melissa. She never has. Sometimes she tolerates her. Sometimes they're like able to like make it work. But to me, they've just, she's just never ever liked her. And I guess the same vice, but like the other way around, I think it's always been sort of the same. And I think maybe Teresa's expectations going into her brother, her brother getting married were that she would be deferred to, or she would be sort of like the head bitch in charge. And I don't think Melissa was ever going to be doing that. And so I think that's really the central issue to their relationship that sort of is weaved through all of these things that is just a fundamental difference in how they see their roles. Yeah. And I do think also Teresa with Melissa specifically has this expectation that Melissa's main goal should be making sure that things between her brother and Teresa are like perfect and like fixing that should be like her main objective in this whole dynamic. And I think Melissa is a lot more focused on just making sure that her and Joe and their kids are good to go because it's kind of like with so much history and so much shit has gone down between Joe and Teresa. It's like, I think Melissa would sort of be wasting her time if she was always just worried about how do I fix things here? Yeah. Agreed. And she's just never going to be like kissing the ring, which is, I think what Teresa needs to make the relationship. I think if, I think if tomorrow Melissa went to Teresa and she was like, I'm so sorry, you were right all these years. Like, it's been, I, you know, you've always been such a mentor and amazing sister-in-law. Like, I think she could, it, it could work, but Melissa's never going to do that. No. And, and, and I think, you know, maybe there are times where Melissa and Joe have not helped the situation. I, I think both parties are at fault here in the sense that a lot of stuff has happened in the last 10 years. And certainly there have been unflattering moments coming from both directions, but it it does seem like there just is this fundamental expectation at the center coming from Teresa that just is is not ever going to be met. And so it's like, why are we even still right. aiming for that? And I'm sure that being on the show just in general hasn't particularly helped. No. And especially when you think about the fact that like Teresa, every chance she gets still talks about the circumstances under which Joe and Melissa came on the show. Like, like all the stuff that has happened on the show aside, we still haven't actually moved past something, the circumstances of how this whole situation began. And so, you know, when we have Louis in the car window talking to Melissa and Joe, it's like this, you know, it's a dramatic moment and it does feel, it's very intense. And I mean, I'm very, you know, riveted to the TV at what's going on. But at the same time, it's like, I don't actually think any of this is going to like accomplish anything. anything. Yeah. I mean, if it was going to, it would have happened already many years ago. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's kind of exactly what it comes down to is that it's like people who are almost constantly at odds for a decade don't really have any interest in, in being good friends or good family or close with each other. Like that's not how relationships work. Yeah. I mean, if Gia's morning song couldn't bring them together, I think it's a lost cause. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like, she just doesn't want to see everyone fight. I know. She's well, thinking about, she doesn't care. Thinking she's, about so many things. Right. As we all are. 
as we as we really are all Jordana, this has been so fun. We are going to be off the next couple of weeks. I'm going on vacation, so there will be some some other podcast content coming your way, not to worry, but we will be back to recapping uh later in April. Yes. Can't wait. Can't wait either. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches. And until next time, be cool. Don't be all like uncool. Mention It All is produced by Dylan Hafer, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Dylan Hafer and Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to our sponsor, Splash Refresher. Meet the water beverage that loves self-care as much as you do. Just because you have to hydrate doesn't mean it has to be tasteless. Splash Refresher makes hydration deliciously easy. Splash perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. I am going to go grab myself a wild berry splash now that I am done recording, and you should too. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Batches.